Today's show is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum, anytime, baby. Support our sponsor, Cufflinks.com. They've been with us for over a year. They've got great products. Whether you're a geek or you've got an event coming up and you're just looking to look good, go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20. Tell them Axel sent you. Today is Wednesday, December 25th, 2019, and this is A Christmas Story with John and Axel. Welcome everyone to a very special holiday edition of Daily DVR Drive-In. My name is Axel, and my co-host today is the wonderful future president of the United States, John Wambacher. How you doing, John? I'm doing great, Axel. Well, man, we made it. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. If you celebrate, if you don't, you know it's Christmas anyway, because it's Christmas. We're going to talk about (laughs) a Christmas story today. That old classic movie, 1983, directed by Bob Clark, and of course, starring, oh, wait, I should say written by Gene Shepard. We're going to learn about Gene Shepard, and John has something to uh, teach me about that. I didn't really know much about him, Um, but starring Peter Billingsley, Melinda Dillon, Darren McGavin, a bunch of other kids and adults. This is, of course, the all-time, in my book, like all-time classic. It, when I was growing up, when we, when I was a younger, basically before this movie came out in 1983, we always watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Was that a, yep. a tradition in your house? Yeah, I started, I watched that one, um, I watched that one a lot too. I think my first version of that I saw was with, um, uh, oh gosh, now I'm, I can't think of the person, but I, I saw a remake of it on oh, okay. on PBS when I was a kid, and then I later became uh, real familiar with it as, as as I was growing up when it started becoming more popular. When I first started watching that movie, it was everywhere on all the channels because it was in public domain, and then I think Turner. Turner bought back the rights of it or something. And so it's, that's a different movie though. <laughs> oh, okay. That, you know, that's true. Oh, that's right. Cause then they colorized it. Yeah. Remember? And all that colorizing hubbubaloo, yeah. man, nobody talks about that anymore. Do they? That no, was no. such a big thing back in. Wow, man. That's a throwback like this movie, man. Wow. Yep, yep, okay. Definitely. That's crazy. Yeah. See, because I intensely dislike it's a wonderful life. I just do not like that movie. I had no connection to it. I didn't get like the whole walking home. He's like, well, I go. And I just like, I, I've never been a fan of like that talking style. You know what I mean? Yeah. What yeah. do they call that? There's a word for that. Um, oh man. It's like, uh, it's like upper English. Or so. There was a woman in the 1930s and 40s who popularized that she was a a dialogue coach. Uh And when it moved, actually maybe she even started before when it moved from silent to talkies, this kind of smart, you know, like, or like, Oh yeah. Or like the, I don't know. It's just like this (laughs) weird kind of accent that people have. Like Cary Grant had it, you know, where it was like kind of English, but Northeastern. Yeah. I know Um, what you mean. And uh, I could never, I was never down with that. And I also 
never connected to the kind of story of It's a Wonderful Life because it seems so different. And then when A Christmas Story came out, now I'm born in 74. So I was like, you know, when this started showing up on TV, I was probably like 11, right? Yep. How old are you? I am 42, uh, 52. 52. So you're a bit, so you're a bit older when yeah. this came out. So when, when I saw this, um, I've talked, like when we talked before, I love going to movies. So, um, even from, you know, pretty young and I remember going, making my friends in high school, go see this movie in the theater. <laughs> so I saw this one in the theater came out and, um, I have, I can remember with my friends sitting in the movie theater and laughing about it on the way home. And, uh, there's a scene in there where, uh, uh, Ralphie or not Ralphie, um, the, uh, the, the younger brother, uh, isn't eating Randy and uh, the mom does, uh, you know, sh- show me, show me how the piggies eat. And I remember like almost, you know, just crying, laughing in the theater at that so hard. So, uh, I, I totally remember seeing this one in the theater with my friends. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I do not, I don't, I was very, you know, I don't go to the movies that much nowadays. Um, but I, went all the time when I was a kid. And I, for some reason, I do not think that I saw this in the theater. I would have, because what E.T. was like 84, 85, right? Yeah. And I saw that like 30 times in the theater. And I loved going to the movies, but I don't, I think this just kind of passed me by. But then when it started showing up on uh, VHS and TV, it quickly became for my family like the go-to Christmas movie. Sure. Because this is so, I mean, I think like it's a wonderful life captured, I guess a time for some people with like the dancing and the flappers or whatever they're doing and (laughs) how he wears that weird football outfit. (laughs) I don't know. I don't get that movie, man, with the angels and all that. But this is like so American to me, a Christmas story. It really captures, to me, the kind of commercialism versus spirituality versus family, just tradition, you know, what you create yourself. And that's really the lesson of the film, isn't it? It's just like at the end of the movie when the dogs are eating the turkey and just before that in voiceover – Gene Shepard, our writer, who I never even knew that he was the actual writer of the story and did the voiceover, which I'm learning about, um, says like, you know, if anything could go wrong, it would go wrong. And it did. And then everything, but then they have a great, you know, they end up in the Chinese restaurant. It's just like for us coming from a family too, where my parents were divorced and and mm-hmm. about after this came out is when my uh, mother and my stepfather got married and we're kind of making like a new nuclear family there. It was just really a great lesson that even when things kind of get messy, it can still kind of turn out right. And that's kind of America, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole <laughs> has a, a nostalgic feel to it, right? I mean, it has soft focus kind of look to it with muted colors and, uh, 
you could really, I think you could really feel how uh, Gene Shepard knew this time period so well. And it, you know, holds his, and he holds all those memories so dear to him in it. It is. So what do you, now you know a little bit more. You sent me a video of yeah. what, what I guess amounts to kind of like a follow up. Well, actually, so yeah, so uh, I don't know a lot about Gene Shepard other than the fact that um, he um, he did lots of uh, radio. Uh, I think after World War II, he came back and he um, was a humorist and essentially stayed pretty much in the Midwest and a little bit in New York and uh, would do these kind of uh, humorous monologues. And a lot of times they were about uh, his Midwest memories of growing up. And the link I sent to you was really his first movie, which was called Phantom of the Open Hearth. And it was part of the PBS uh, American Playhouse uh, series. And oddly enough, this was in 1976 when this was was done. I saw that I saw that on PBS as a kid, so I would have only been like nine years old, and uh, I had vivid memories of this movie uh, because there's just these hilarious scenes in it. And one of the scenes essentially is his first uh, telling of the uh, lamp uh, story. So that's in this in the movie and, and obviously a different version of it, but uh, same same basic story being told. And so when I saw that the, the Christmas story uh, in '83, I was like, something. I feel like I've seen this before. There's some kind of connection. And you know, I mean, I was only in high school then, so I don't know if I really like put together the idea that it couldn't have been written by the same person. But I kept on thinking about it. And whenever I'd watch a Christmas story, I'd be like, what's the story? And then eventually, you know, I, I did research on my own. I'm like, oh, that there's, you know, so you can, you can watch that uh, movie on uh, YouTube. It's in pretty poor quality. I don't think you can find it anyplace else, but there's some really great stories in it. And uh, one in particular that I kept on remembering, which uh, is kind of funny is about his, uh, when a neighbor, orders a Sears and Roebuck house and it comes in freight cars and all of the dad and all of his friends go out to these freight cars and they're drinking and they want, they're going to help the guy, you know, bring all these hundreds and hundreds of boxes of his new house home. But they end up all getting drunk and starting looking in the boxes that are all numbered and labeled. And then it starts to rain and everybody abandons the guy out in the wall. <laughs> Out of the freight lot with these boxes of toilets and siding and everything all over the place. So uh, it's it is it's a it's a similar story. It takes place with Ralph when he's supposed to be in high school when he tells the, when he tells that story, um, uh, and he's kind of getting ready for prom. But um, it's it's pretty neat. And uh, his so uh, one thing that I was thinking about when I was watching it this time was just about the narration that's in it, like how dominant the narration is. And I want to ask you, like, can you think of another film where the narration is such a dominant force in the movie? I mean, I'm sure that there are um, films like that, but this one, that's something that really caught me when I was rewatching it yesterday in preparation for this podcast is how like, it just, it never stopped, you know, like he doesn't just check in. He is part of the movie, you know? Yeah. It's like Um, every scene. Yeah. yeah. And it reminded me, I guess, because of a kid's movie too, of like the princess bride. 
where they would kind of break in. And I wonder if that has the way they told that has a little bit of inspiration from this. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, But it really becomes a character in the movie right from the beginning. I mean, it starts out with the voiceover. It's so dominant. And when you sent that Phantom of the Open Hearth and I started watching it and his voice and he's narrating it too. And I was just like, wow, this guy is amazing. And I did a little bit more research, read the Wikipedia and some other articles. And I come to find that he was so inspirational to a whole host of comedians. And also he actually lived in New Jersey in two different spots. And he had, and he would have a late night show on uh, WOR in, in, in New York. Uh, the radio station. And I wonder if I ever heard some old, cause I was such an avid listener of talk radio. I wonder if I ever heard some like later stuff that he did. Yeah. Um, but also I had this quote from Jerry Seinfeld, Gene Shepard. He really formed my entire comedic sensibility. I learned how to do comedy from Gene Shepard. And the first name of Seinfeld's third child is Shepard after Gene Shepard. Yeah, that's really cool. And that, when I found that out, so many things kind of clicked to me um, because in the voiceover and Ralphie too, there's just this kind of like that kind of like Seinfeld-ish, I don't know, it's like he's just not like, neither Ralphie nor the narrator is trying to make anyone out to be like a hero. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. they have a kind of New York, like real attitude where it's like, well, this is the way it happened. And, and Ralphie too is like, not a great kid. No, <laughs> <You know? laughs> not- and, but, but that's part of the beauty of the movie though, yeah. too, is that all those kids and Ralph are so real, right? And the dialogue is real and the way they curse and the way they behave <laughs> and, uh, and just like you said uh, a couple minutes ago, uh, things are going to go wrong. But you know the things that go wrong are the things that make the great stories, you know, of of your youth, right? Yeah, totally, man. I, I think that um, that's really a whole part of this too. Is this is a Christmas story, but it really is kind of like a coming of age of Ralphie. And I guess I watched the first half of it with my son, Lachlan, who is seven now. And he was, he, uh, as soon as the movie starts, he, he was like, dad, I think I saw this movie already. And I was like, yeah, well, you rewatch everything, dude. What are you talking about? You've seen Ninjago like 4,000 times, the whole <laughs> series, man. Come on. Keep with me, kid. And he's like, okay, okay. And as it comes on, he starts laughing and laughing. He's like, oh, I remember this. Yeah, this is the part with the tongue. And like, he just, he loved. And then I was kind of like, think getting those dad vibes, you know? And then he went to play with his friends and I continue watching the movie. And I guess I kind of was picking up more on how Ralphie is kind of coming of age, you know? Like he has to crush on the teacher, um, the yeah. way he kind of ogles the leg lamp. Yeah. You know, like he, yeah. this is a story about him getting older and almost like kind of becoming like a tween teen, yeah. you know, as yeah. it is about Christmas. 
Sure. He finally gets to help his dad, right? Yeah. Uh, it's sent out to, to help with the, with the tire. And of course, you know, that ends in total tragedy. Um, <laughs> and they're the voiceovers there too. As I saw the bolts fly out of my head, right? Like, yeah, that was yep. great, man. Yep. Um, let's see what else we got here. One thing that one connection that I did get to like film wise is I had always thought in my head that this movie was somehow connected to John Hughes. Like it felt very um, like almost like a precursor in a way to those John Hughes movies. And I guess coming out in 83, it came out. It's like, I guess it's not a little bit before his bigger films, or maybe I'm getting the the times wrong, but it just has that same kind of almost a little bit of sarcasm, the realness of it. The way it just shows kids for being kids. And I think that was kind of like, isn't that what we, us who grew up in like the late seventies, eighties, that's what I kind of miss. And what I liked about the films of our youth and what I like about this movie is it seems like today they really do like the Disneyfication of everything. Yeah is kind of like everyone there has to be this big moral and like it's everyone is like so earnest and in this like ralphie man he gets the one kid to stick his tongue on the thing right (laughs) he's a part of that he beats the shit out of the redhead it's always the redhead that's the bad kid too by the way (laughs) and i noticed that it always is uh, the freckled redhead kid, right? He's Scott be- Scott Farkas. Scott Farkas. That's the best. That's the best bully name in the business, right there. It's Scott amazing. Farkas. Farkas, and it so plays into all the curses too, right? Like yeah. so much of this movie is about cursing and language and stuff, and that's like coming of age. Um, yeah. But uh, what was – oh, Ralphie, yeah. He's just like, you know, he he lies and says that he heard the curses from his friend instead of his dad, right? Yeah. And his friend yeah. gets beat by his mom and you hear it through like Charlie Brown style through the phone, you know? Like he's always just causing a fuss. But I will say one thing about Ralphie. When he didn't get the BB gun, he was pretty good about it. Yep. You yep. know, you know, yes. he didn't, he didn't complain or cry. He just kind of hung out with his, you know, he was like, yeah, dad, you know, and man, don't you remember that when you were a kid, like wanting oh, yeah. one gift, was there any ever a gift that you really wanted, but didn't get? I, I can't really think of any, anything in particular other than not that I got, you know, tons of gifts or anything, but I know one that I got that I was surprised that I got was like, I got one of those Coleco football games when they first came out. (laughs) And I was like, I could not believe that my, uh, you know, my mom or, or Santa, I don't even remember right then if I knew really which was with that. Like I actually got the cool game that year. You know what I mean? So yeah. I remember being like super jazz, you know, that I got that Coleco football yep. game. Yes. And it, and they pull the old wait until all the gifts are opened. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he says, Hey, look behind the desk over there, Ralphie. You see, and man, did your, my parents did that all the time. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. That's awesome. They, they, the, the, um, I remember the, uh, I think I mentioned this recently on a podcast that 
uh, my mom and my stepfather, when I think I was about 11 or 12, about a week before Christmas, they trotted out like these refrigerator-sized boxes wrapped, right? And put them in the living room. And there were three of them, one for me, one for my brother, one for my sister. And we were like, what the hell? For the whole week, we were like... They're go karts, or like they're like it's like part of a clubhouse that that we were. Our minds just went everywhere. Uh, that's awesome. And then they made us wait to the end. We opened them up, and it was all like the styrofoam peanuts. And we're digging through it, and as it's happening, I we're all of us are like happy, surprised, but also like totally crestfallen and depressed like what this is this a joke (laughs) and then we get to the bottom and we each have an envelope and it was a trip to disney world oh wow so that wasn't that great man so this like and i would have been surprised since it was after that that my mom like got the idea from like watching this movie or something I sometimes I wonder if like a whole generation of parents pull that last gift thing because of this movie or whether that was really popular before. Yeah. So the one thing that um, I kind of wonder, it'd be, it would be interesting to do research to find out what, um, if there was any kind of relationship between John Hughes and and Shepard, because they would have been generationally the same the same time period. Yeah, you know I couldn't I mean? find anything. I looked around and uh, I couldn't find it. Now, I think that Clark at one point worked with John Hughes, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, when I was looking through or did a movie, because, you know, he also did Porky's. <laughs> I was gonna, t- I was gonna say that to you. It's like, well, his other famous, his other family movie is Porky's. Yeah, there was. Oh, he also directed a f- a, a movie from the eighties that I loved, Turk One Eighty Two. Oh yeah, remember that with yeah, Timothy that Hutton? One. Yeah. When he yeah. kind of like takes oh, that was like a run of eighties movies where like some rebel like uh, like the Legend of Billy Jean or whatever you know. Yep. Like a rebel yep. person, but there was something where they had a crossover. Um, was it baby geniuses that there was something to do? No, I don't remember. I don't remember. There was something I've read, but it was interesting to find out about Shepard and how influential he was, uh, here we know him for this movie, but when you look and find out about all the stuff that he did, um, is it's really interesting stuff and kind of, uh, it goes along with that. Um, kind of generation of storytellers, you know, that I don't know if we have that now. I can't think of anybody that's quite doing the same thing, especially something that's um, more family oriented. Yeah. I guess like, what do you become a YouTuber now? Like people, or maybe, maybe there's podcasters who will one day be known for this. But um, another thing I found out is that, and I have heard this, uh, that he did a, a uh, improvised spoken word narration on the title track of Mingus's album, The Clown. And I remember listening to that. A Hustler, if he's listening, is a big Ming- – he, he actually was one of the first people to turn me on to Charles Mingus. And I remember that. Uh-huh. Just what a great voice he had too. Absol- yeah. And a yeah, friend definitely. of Shel Silverstein. 
Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat that he was uh, – that was who he hung out with was uh, Shel Silverstein. It kind of so, yeah. tells you, man. You know what I mean? It's like that same kind of real vibe. You know, yeah. I get that yeah. 70 – like that Judy Bloom kind of realness yeah. about Yeah, it. humanist. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's good stuff, man. And it is – in the same way though, um, the the film is really like – takes the kid's perspective seriously, you know, like the parents are really more jokey than the kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think acting from the kids, you know, I think they did some great casting, you know, I mean, it's not just that Ralphie's good, but all his friends, all those, they're such like characters that you remember from you, from your youth, right? Like the looks of them, the mannerisms, the way they shuffle along and walk down the street. Um, How about when is, uh, I just start getting moments in my mind, but when the brother is in the, um, it's in the snowsuit and he just can't even walk. Oh yeah. He's like, Oh, help me. <laughs> that little kid, man. And then when he, I love the brother. Okay. I, one thing I realized while watching this movie is that uh, Randy may have been my favorite character. This kid, I just have a heart for him. Like after the whole fight goes down, how he hides under the sink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute, I, man. I remember I used to hide in uh, a broom closet in my mom's kitchen. Oh. When I saw that, so I'm like, oh yeah, I remember doing that when I was a kid. I'd hide in there and I'd pretend it was, you know, a spaceship, and uh, that would be kind of like my little my little hiding place there. Yeah, man. Yeah, Lachlan still loves forts. He loves yep. building forts. I guess you know what? We never really outgrow this. I mean, I guess here I am sitting in an office full of like toys and Gundams and all this stuff. I guess I guess I'm in my fort right now, right? That's right. You kind of create your fort. Uh, I do want to talk about the cursing um, because that is something that, again, I was struck by is how prevalent that is. And what did, what, what kind of like, what do you take from that? I mean, to me, it was just one of the main things that made it real. I mean, I don't know what your house was like growing up, but I mean, in my house, even though everybody was, uh, you know, pretty uh, well-mannered, uh, educated people, uh, there's still a fair amount of cursing going on in my house. And, you know, one of my mom's favorite lines I can remember her telling me was, don't shit a shitter. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's good. Oh, yeah. See, my father always said that, don't bullshit a bullshit artist. That was the way he <laughs> said it. Um, yeah, this cursing, I, I don't know, man. I, j- I felt like it was connected to kind of the coming of age stuff, but also maybe like, uh, the importance of language and when you connect like the decoder ring and, yeah. you know, like eat more Ovaltine <laughs> and there's, there is really a very co- like anti-consumer vibe that permeates this even down to the point when you see Mickey Mouse getting beaten up by all the other characters in the parade. Yeah. Or the, the um, wizard of Oz uh, characters going by while they're waiting in line to see Santa, you know, and Ralphie's kind of like, just go away. I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And how he's so just like, he is re and, and also, 
something I noticed. It takes an hour. Wait, let's see. I had this written down. Um, wait, see, let's see. Uh, where Where is this? Sa- that Santa, Santa, yeah, it takes a full hour until he mentions Santa Claus. Like, he tells his parents he wants the BB gun, right? Yeah. He writes his theme paper about the BB gun, right? He's going to shoot yeah. your eye out. And then all of a sudden, an hour in, he realizes, oh, I can go tell Santa. <laughs> <Right>? like, <laughs> yeah, go to, the, go to the man directly. Yeah. But it's kind of weird. And I, I was thinking about it. It's like, why is that? It's because he's at this age, right? Yeah. Where I feel like he knows that the parents are getting him the gifts. Yeah. You know? So it's like the last ditch effort is to kind of join in on yeah. this fake Santa thing to try to get what he wants. He doesn't like believe in Santa or it's not like the dream of Santa. No, he's like scheming. Yeah. Yeah. How can I uh, get that, what I want? That's a pretty spectacular scene with the Santa and the, you know, just the, the art direction in it, the way they built Santa on top of the mountain, you know, the kids have to climb the mountain to get to him. And then, you know, you know, he's just like a stinky, smelly Santa. When you look at the guy, yes, he's uh, a total dick <laughs> and the elf too. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're like, there to torture. Like even the moms are like looking at him and how about that weird ass kid who's in line with them? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that kid kind of represented like the believer guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's yeah. like, oh, Santa's gonna get me everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, and he's that, just, that kid was not woke. <laughs> he was like pushing the kid. He's like, get away from me, <laughs> you know. But he still sweetly is holding his brother's hand, which I always yeah. like the yeah. bond they have. It's so that's like the thing of this movie is it's not religious. It's not commercial. It's not re- even though it's full of all those um, really interesting kind of throwback dream daydream sequences. Yeah, that play out like radio serials. You know exactly. Yeah, I love that stuff, man. And it involves a lot of Wizard of Oz stuff, like those classic tales, like yeah. the public domain, I guess, tales. Right. Um, yep. Uh. But uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> I got so excited. Santa Claus. Um, I don't even remember. All, I'm, all I was going to say, I think, is that Ralphie it, it just kind of like it, – it, it, oh, wait. Oh, this is what I was going to say. I remember now. It doesn't really go with any of those. It doesn't go with the commercial. It doesn't go with the religious. It hardly – it doesn't really mention any religion. Yeah. Is it? I, I mean, there's no kind yeah. of even like throwaway lines to it. Like no. Christmas is about this. Or, no, it's just yeah. like what it really comes down to is his family. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like Christmas is about your own personal experience and tradition. And uh, to me, that's co- that's what Christmas is about. Not taking away from what people who have a religious significance to it, but I think like. America is kind of that melting pot where you, you kind of toss it all in, you make that jambalaya and, and what do you get? You kind of just get like a, a like a home cooked meal. 
Yep. You know, that gets eaten yep. by a bunch of rabid dogs from your white trash neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs are great too, man. Everything's like, I forgot that the dogs show up at yep. the other times. Oh man. Yeah. It's great. The bumpuses. The bump, the bumpuses. Yeah. We all had neighbors like that too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So let me ask you, uh, the, uh, you'll shoot your eye out. So did, did you have a BB gun when you were a kid? Uh, no, I never did. I never had a BB gun. I never had a gun. Uh, I, I wasn't really interested. Yeah. So I remember, you know, like that line, you know, kind of, uh, coming my way when I was young and that. So like, I never had one when I was young, but when I got a little older, when I was in high school, I had one. And so I can tell you for a fact that you'll shoot your eye out. (laughs) (laughs) Once my friends, we went out in the woods and had a BB gun war. And sure enough, shot my glasses, broke my glasses, put a little cheek, a little cut on my cheek, in the same spot Ralphie had his. And you know what I did? I lied about it. <laughs> a branch, a branch broke my glasses, and uh, all was forgiven. So, what, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I can say my cl- <laughs> that's great, dude. My closest experience is wanting a skateboard, and uh, my mother telling me for months, "Billy, you are too goddamn big for a skateboard." You're like six feet tall. I was probably like 10 years old, you know? She's yeah. like, you're tall as hell. You're going to fall off it. You're just going to hurt yourself. And I begged and begged and begged for that skateboard. And other people tell me too, because I had a friend who was into skateboarding. And yeah. I would try it. And I just, I mean, dude, I, I could never even go like three inches on a skateboard without falling <laughs> off. I just can't do it. And I got the skateboard and it was like the nicer one that I wanted. I mean, it probably cost like 50 bucks. I thought it was the best thing in the world. I can remember putting like the grip tape on it, you know, and I I like changed out the ball bearings. So they were like colored and I did all this stuff to it. And then I got onto it and promptly fell on my ass and fell on my ass and scratched up my arm and hurt myself <laughs> and never touched it after like <laughs> 20 minutes into having it on Christmas, just never touched it again. And it just sat in my room and my mom would look at it and she would just say, I told you, I told you. And then, if, but then she would throw in, at least you didn't break your arm, but I did that on my yep. BMX bike. So <laughs> You always have those gifts that you kind of really want. That's kind of a part of this too, is like the idea that when you're a kid, you want Christmas to be about, you know, family and tradition and all this stuff, but you do kind of get obsessed with what gifts you want. Yeah. Like yeah. It just, you can't help, but it kind of like consumes you. And I guess it's like, that's why it's just like so American, this movie that like consumerism is kind of in that movie. It's like, it's like, it's, it kind of accepts it, but then it shows you are going to shoot your eye out. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Definitely. Right. Like if you want, if that's what you really want, 
And in the end, though, what does he really do is he spends the time and laughing at the Chinese restaurant with his family. And that's the experience. Whereas that BB gun, who knows? Like, does it show up in the uh, in the Phantom Hearth movie? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's in that. Yeah, (laughs) I guess that BB gun wasn't. I guess he started playing with a different BB gun. (laughs) Oh, my God. I just figured out why it's a BB gun. Right? Like that is that is his penis. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I just figured out this whole movie. That's what he wants. It's a coming of age story, right? Uh, he wants to shoot off his gun at the end. <laughs> See? And if you shoot off your gun, what happens? You're going to go blind. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. Live uh, on Daily DVR Drive-In, baby. We figured it out. A Christmas story. That that's what it should have ended with. Oh my god, it's a psychological thriller. Yeah, listen, the leg, the fragile. I got to throw in a story about the fragile. My brother-in-law Kobe um, got me into his fantasy football league soon after I met my wife. And one of the coolest things about the fantasy football league is that the trophy was the fragile lamp. Pretty cool. Yeah, right? ever since that movie, I've never, I've never said it another way. Every time I see it, I have to say <laughs> "fragile." Of course, man, fragile. But uh, I, ha- I held the fragile lamp, and actually, my, um, I think it's in his, I think it's in his basement now. So when we go over there for Christmas, well, this is being released on Christmas, so I may right now be in the basement trying to find that because I actually won the fantasy our fa- our other fantasy football league, and I guess who I beat? Who? Heath Solo, baby. Ah, yep. awesome! It was Solo versus Folo in the STD Fantasy Football Championship, and I was triumphant, even though Aaron Rodgers only scored nine points. I still won. So you might be able to enjoy the warm glow of electric sex or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. Take a little break to tell you again to go to our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Cufflinks.com has everything you need. The holiday season is upon us, but when the holidays pass, Cufflinks will still be there. Birthdays, events, anniversaries look good when you step out in the morning. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order all the time, no minimum. Go to cufflinks.com now, baby. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore Adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. Thanks. Let's talk a little bit about the parents. Um, 
do they remind you at all of your parents? Um, I'd say there's some some of it uh, in there. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, the I can the the mom, you know, kind of coming to your aid. You know what I mean? Like, especially yeah. you know, like when he breaks his glasses. So, like, I've had glasses since I was Ralphie's age. I, I had glasses since like first grade. So the real terror of breaking your glasses. I mean, that is so real, especially back then they didn't make glasses that like bent so that they wouldn't break. You would like drop them and they would just break again and again. And you'd always be in trouble for it. So the fact that his mom, you know, uh, comes to his aid, uh, when he, when he finally, uh, uh, loses it on the, on the bully, um, to me, you know, I, I can relate to that as, uh, you know, something that, I feel like, you know, your mom's always in your court. Yeah, that was really cute. And then he also, in the voiceover, he says, like, from that day forward, my relationship with my mom was forever chained, right? Like, yeah, kind of have, because he does seek out his dad's approval so much throughout the film. And it's that traditional, you know, the dad is that traditional yeah. dad, right? Like, he's yeah. always futzing with the car or the, the furnace, He's cursing, yep. he bowls, he, you know, yeah. um, but he's funny. He has, he likes a good drink that, that could becomes apparent, uh, in the, in the show too, like them getting drunk kind of Christmas morning, but getting in the car and driving anyway, <laughs> yeah. kind of realized yeah. that one yeah. too. While I was watching it. He's like, this is good wine. Let's get in the car. <laughs> I was like, okay, good job. But the mom for me too, um, he really wasn't like my, at my 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 stepfather and my father were not really like this dude at all. Um, my father was was like way more outgoing and crazy, and my stepfather was like totally silent almost. So it was like this guy. I never really kind of like you know I didn't really associate that with him. But the mom too for me, she is very much the weirdness. Like the, the thing you mentioned, like, let me see the piggy eat, right? <laughs> like yeah. that, how weird and how she loved it so much and was like yeah. so happy and having so much fun and the way she took care of him. I really did uh, gravitate towards the mom and she's just fantastic in this movie. And she, she's of course, I mean, she pops up in, in a lot of other different films um, and uh great actress and just a great role. And they, uh, Melinda Dillon and, um, they, they are silly. I mean, I kind of feel like Ralphie is the most adult kind of like serious person. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that I could also, um, associate with because I feel like I was kind of a more serious kid. You strike me as being a serious kid, John. Um, I, I, I had my moments, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty serious, pretty serious kid. So I kind of <laughs> like the way Ralphie is that even the way he dresses, he almost seems like he's in a suit. Most, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. dress very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the mom for me, she is just so sweet and kind and she doesn't lie to him about the fight, the dad, right? She just yeah. she just kind of smooths it over. Yeah, she plays it off low, and then she brings up the the Bears game, right? Because yeah. she knows that'll distract him from asking any further questions. 
<laughs> that stuff with the newspaper. Ah, oh, man. I missed that. Did remind me of my dad because my dad loved like reading the newspaper every morning. Um, so yeah. those little things there were really kind of cute. And I thought it was cute too. And I guess it never occurred to me that his dad, the old man, is the one who gets the BB gun without the mom even knowing. Yeah. I kind of just picked yep. that up on this viewing. Yep. Yep. That it was his. He, he, obviously, Ralphie must have slipped something in his newspaper or two, kind of like he did in his mom's look magazine. Yeah, it was it was that was great, man. I really kind of when I when I realized that and that made me like her more, too, because she is like, even though she's been saying you'll shoot your eye out, you shoot when she kind of sees him get so excited, she just kind of gives in, yeah. you know, and she wants she wants Ralphie to be excited. Uh, let's see what else we got. We've covered a lot. Um, we talked about the, Oh, I want to mention this on Christmas morning when they get the socks from their aunt, their other aunt, not the aunt who gives them the pink bunny costume. Yeah. And they, and the camera just cuts to them and, and, uh, Ralphie and Randy look at each other and then they just toss the socks over their shoulder. Yeah. Yep. I think that yeah. my brother and sister and particularly my sister and I did that every year after, like if we <laughs> ever got something <laughs> that wasn't great, we would just kind of look at each other and just toss it over our shoulder. I love that part <laughs> of the movie, man. It's uh, it's those little things like that were fantastic. Yep. And the, um, the girl bunny PJs, a deranged Easter bunny, a pink nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, those are spectacular. And then his dad says, um, you can get out of that. Get the heck out. Like, I love that part, too. Yeah. Where yeah. he doesn't go along. It doesn't, like, even though this film revels in a certain nostalgia, it is also, in a way, very anti-nostalgia. You know, even up to the point where they end up at the Chinese restaurant at the end. Yeah, making new new traditions, right? Yeah, new traditions, which for me, that's something that I always connected to because my stepfather is Jewish and coming from a town that was pretty much split, like we had like two churches, two synagogues, you know, and all, like half my friends celebrated Hanukkah, half my friends celebrated Christmas. So the one thing that I always thought, and I can remember my brother and sister and I saying this when we saw the movie, is that they're the only people in the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. I was just like there. We I remember us saying there must have not been a lot of Jews in that town because <laughs> in our town everybody that's that's what you do. That's a Jewish tradition. Yeah, yeah. Is you go yeah, to the no, Chinese no, no, no. restaurant, you know? And I guess I I, I, yeah. I wonder if Seinfeld ever mentioned that. Yeah, you go to you go to a movie and go to the Chinese restaurant. That's, that's what you that's do, baby. I, and I have yeah. done that. We did go to a Chinese restaurant a couple Christmases. Oh, I love man. Oh man, you think I move uh, to the west that they'd have like better Chinese food out here or something? But they don't, man. I really miss. <laughs> I, I really missed a good old Jersey Chinese. Um, all right, what else do we got? Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Um, let's see. Let's see. Oh, I, I can know, go I through the they... quotes. Want me to go through the top ten quotes? Sure. 
Sounds good. All right, here we go. If we didn't mention them, of course, you'll shoot your eye out. Oh, we didn't mention the whole tongue thing. I triple dog dare you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there it was, the ultimate, the triple dog dare. Now, have you ever tried this, John? I have. I I, frig, I think it might have been in the freezer, <laughs> you know, in your house. I, I remember I remember an incident in the freezer. You remember an incident? The wire shelves. <laughs> oh, those. Oh, yeah. That hurts. Yes. Um, I think I tried this a lot. And I and when I was watching the movie, I thought the same thing that I thought. And I think it's so funny too when he's like, "The the the paramedics, the police are here." Like because it, that's what happened in the story that they told, you know. Yeah. Um. But I think I did try this, and I thought the same thing that I thought when watching. Like I said, which is you just pour hot water on his tongue, you know, it'll come right off. Yep. You know, it's easy to solve. All right. Next up. Oh, well, I don't know if that's really, I can't put my arms down. Is that a great, I love that though. When Randy gets, uh, yeah. putting yeah. that outfit. Like a mummy. <clears throat> yeah. That is, I do remember having snow outfits like that though. Oh yeah, definitely. You still have them. Cause you live out and where it snows a lot. Yeah. 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 I still have a snow outfit. I get in. You know how that feels. Yeah. It never snows oh, yeah. out here in Portland, man. <laughs> I've been here for four years. It snowed like twice. Um, only one thing in the world could have dragged me away from the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window. <laughs> you had that line already. I like it. Meatloaf, meatloaf, double beatloaf. I hate meatloaf. <laughs> oh, Randy, what a cutie. Oh, man. Oh, I already said this one. He looks like a deranged Easter bunny. That is great. What a, oh, man. What an actor. That kid is yeah. great. Only I didn't say fudge. I said the word, the big one, the queen mother of dirty words, the F dash 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 word, the cursing again. I love it. And, you know, I didn't mention that in my family, we got away with cursing. So this movie where he gets in so much trouble because he cursed, I can remember thinking, oh, come on, what it went. Because my father had the word, I mean, like. I, I, I can't even tell you. My father would meet one of my teachers and he'd be like, how the fuck are you doing? You know, like he just had to work. I mean, saying, he just did not care. And he said F every other word. And Lachlan, I will admit, okay, this is bad parent corner. I don't know if you do this, John. Um, yeah. But sometimes when we're riding in the car. Um, and like, if somebody cuts me off or I'm like, what the fuck? Or I just say something like that. I'll look in the rear view mirror. I'll see Lachlan get so excited and so happy <laughs> that I'm cursing. And then every once in a while, I'll look at him and I'll go, go ahead. And he'll go, really? And I'll say, yeah, I'll just go ahead. And he'll just go, fuck. <laughs> he'll be like, fuck you. <laughs> and I'll be like, good, not out the window, kid. But I, I let him curse. Okay. I do let the kid curse. So in my house, he's not going to get his mouth washed out though. My wife hates it. She hates it, man. When I tell her about that, she gets very, how are you about cursing in your home? Um, 
we're pretty open with it. There yeah. So yeah, there yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't an issue. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's not, my yeah. wife doesn't like it, but I still kind of do it. And she always says the same thing to me. Okay. Well, when the teacher calls, you can explain that you're from New Jersey. See if that works. <laughs> I said, well, okay, hon, fuck it. Why not? I will. Um, let's see. Uh, fragile, of course he had yellow eyes. So help me God, yellow eyes talking about Fargus and, uh, Farkas and, uh, man, it just hits me. I don't know. As a redhead, as a ginger, when you demonize the gingers, I just can't get on board with it. But this Farkas kid, man, he was really good. And Ralphie took him out though. Didn't he? That's what oh, you yeah. got to do. I think that's a very realistic story too, though. Yeah. The fact that the book, you always have that, like that bully that some yep. kid, I, I was never the one who got to be the one, you know, to, to beat up the bully. But I remember when the bully finally got there, uh, come up and, you know, right when that, those other kids started growing a little bit bigger and they weren't grown all of a sudden one day at the playground, he wasn't a bully any longer. (laughs) Well, I will tell you that I had a very similar incident happen to me. Um, I think I was in seventh. Wait, was I in seventh? No, I was in eighth grade and there was this kid and I'll name check him here. If he's out there in the word, Jason Sobel. This dude, I don't know where he is. If you're listening, hit me up with an email, pal. And uh, we both were the backup centers for our basketball team, the Minutemen, who, by the way, went 24-0 and and won the state championship in New Jersey. And I scored six points, almost scored on our own basket, but everyone yelled and I turned around. Um, <laughs> that's a true story, too. But we were both the backups. And... He was very, uh, he was just, uh, what do you call it? Competitive. He was a really competitive kid. And I secured the second backup, um, to our starting center, Chris Schwartzbeck, who this kid was great. I mean, like, I don't know if he went on to play college ball, but he's just very confident, but I was not a very confident player, but I was way tall and big. And if I got angry, uh, I was pretty good, but I didn't really know how to kind of, you know, that like aggression thing in sports. I didn't quite get that until I was older. I was sometimes one of those kids that if like you hit me wrong in football, I'd get really pissed off, but I kind of, I kind of got a handle on it later and he was, he would bully me and pick on me and he was a pretty big kid too, but he was kind of like my frenemy. And he would just bully me and we'd be on the thing and make jokes. And then I'd make jokes at him. And I'd also just say to him, I'd be like, enough already, dude. Like nobody's let, like other people would tell him to like, he was just kind of, I don't know. I guess he was a troubled kid. He was just kind of annoying me. And one day we're walking back in from uh, lunch and he just kept on like calling out at me. And I remember I was with my friend, Brian Sedlak. And I just turned to Brian and I said, all right, this is over today. I can't take this anymore. And I just turned around and went ape shit on him, man. (laughs) I mean, I just like Ralphie, bro, I lost it because I was really good at not 
getting not like succumbing to like people bullying me or whatever. I mean, mainly because like I said, my father was just like, would say shit all, we just had a tough skin, you know? And I just went off and it was just like Ralphie, man. Like I was like crying. I was shaking. This is so realistic. And the way that when his mom sees him, she just hugs him, you know? She's yeah. not like, Ralphie, what are you doing? She's just like, oh, my – she understands that yeah. he's just completely lost it. Um, And yeah. so even talking about it now, it makes me feel a little weird because I felt terrible afterwards. You know, like I did not feel like I vanquished the bully. I, f- I remember even apologizing to him because I re- – I f- I, let, let me tell you this right now. I kicked the shit out of that kid. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. He was on the ground. Like I was just pounding on him and I felt, I just felt so awful. So even when I was watching this yesterday, I just remember that feeling and the way they just captured that so beautifully. And, you know, she takes him into the bathroom and gets him like that water bottle. Yeah. The towel. And like, it was just traumatic. Yeah. And it also yep. kind of clues into how, like, people say it now, and you see it all the time on social media, like, you know, the holidays is a time where a lot of people get depressed and anxiety, um, and it can, it just, it is a high ten, like, it's very, it's high tension, it's emotional, and it can get the best of you. Yep. You know? And they really, that yep. kind that kind of is like... That's kind of like the 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 emotional high point of the movie when that yeah. happens and you see like the kind of family come together and like we were been talking about the mom. Yeah. It's just man, that man, wow, telling that story it brings me back. I remember exactly where that was in the hallway at Gordonier School in New Jersey, man. Damn. I even remember a teacher came behind me, right? And grabbed yep. both my arms and I shed the teacher and I socked Jason in the face while another teacher held him. <laughs> and the other teacher, I can remember the look on the other teacher's face was like, oh shit, I just unwittingly held this kid. So the other kid could smack him in the face. And I, I just, oh man, I felt so bad after that, man. I really, that one moment, I guess was kind of cool, but not really because I just felt terrible. It, you never feel good yeah. when you get into a fight after, at least me. Well, I'm, I'm lucky. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have any fighting stories to tell you about. Good. So I, I can't contribute to that. Unfortunately, that's good, man. That's good. <laughs> I got into way too, when I was a kid, that was probably the last, I, I, that probably did it for me. But I think before that, it was just, I was so big. Um, you know, my son says it to me sometimes too. He says, you know, sometimes kids challenge me. Like, I guess when you're the biggest kid, mm-hmm. you know, kids kind of challenge yeah. the biggest kid. And uh, sure. I was not, I was very quiet and withdrawn. And I think that... um that kind of made kids want to bring it out of me. And if you tried hard enough, I guess I could go all Ralphie on your ass. <laughs> yep. It could happen. 
All right. Wow, man. Well, what a beautiful Christmas story to end with Axel's uh, <laughs> kicking the shit out of someone. Let's try to find something else to talk. <laughs> um, I did want to mention that I was watching it with when I was watching the beginning with Lachlan. And there's a couple times during the movie where when someone else is talking, uh, Ralphie is kind of mouthing their words. He does this in the very beginning when he's like reading what the Red Rider BB gun thing. Yeah. And this is a thing that Lachlan does because he's like, you know, learning to read and everything. And he was like, as the kid on the screen, as Ralphie was doing it, I look over I'm think- and I think to myself, oh, that's so cute. Lachlan does that. And I look over and he's doing it. <laughs> he's doing the same thing. He's like mouthing the, what the narrator's saying. So I thought that that was so cute. Um, let's see. Oh, well, I love these lines when they're eating. And he says, my little brother had not eaten voluntarily in three years. Like it's so serious. Oh, and my mother had not had a hot meal in 15 years. Uh, yep. the, oh, and is I, th- now I don't think that my, my dads were like this dad. But I kind of think I'm a little bit like this guy. I, he says the old man loved bargaining as much as an Arab trader. And I totally am like that because I will walk into like a regular store and try to bargain with them. Like while shopping, you know, I'll be like, can you give me a better price on these eggs? And the lady will be like, that's the price of the eggs. <laughs> as, as a retail worker, you know, I am. I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. You know what, man? When I worked retail, I worked retail for a long time. I was always the guy who would appreciate that and go, you know what? I'll give you 10% off. And I try to give them a discount. I get that sometimes. Yeah. There's definitely truth in that. Yeah. All you have to do is ask. Yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you what, though. When I went to McDonald's two days ago and the, and the um, lady at the window was laughing and smiling with Lachlan. And I looked at her and I say, hey, did Santa Claus leave any of those free Star Wars toys? <laughs> <laughs> and she turns around and looks to her manager and goes, hey, did Santa leave any free Star Wars toys? And the manager goes, what? No. <laughs> I go, well, I tried. <laughs> That's what I said. Lachlan laughed. And I said, I tried, kid. He goes, thanks, dad. <laughs> Ah, it was only two bucks anyway. I paid for it. All right, man. I don't know. We could go on and on. I don't know. The, the, this is really, this is a classic to me. And um, I think not only does this film hold up on many different viewings, but just even from a film perspective, perfect length, one hour, 33 minutes. Yeah, no, it's nice and tight. Exactly. And I, I went through it as I'm apt to do and just kind of went over like scene by scene. And the film just basically is like, it starts at the store. It goes home, school, home, school, home, school, right? Like Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, Chinese for Christmas, Christmas night, the end. It's so tight. They're locate. I mean, I'm I'm sure the hardest thing to shoot was the Santa scene at the store, which they yeah. definitely shot at the same time that they shot the opening. Um, yeah. I but everything is really like 
fixed locations. There's like one or two at the school, but really the classroom in the house, some locations outside. Uh, Just thinking of it from like a director point of view, it's -hmm. just a really great film. Yeah. You know, even if it wasn't connected to Christmas and everything, it doesn't get, I think it doesn't get enough credit as being just a properly paced directed and and i actually watched this i'll tell you this is a funny one i rented this from the video store around here and i got a panned and scanned dvd oh wow which i think is probably harder to find oh yeah yeah (laughs) like how the fuck they had a panned and scanned dvd so I watched it like that and it gave me a kind of a weird nostalgic feel when I was watching it. Normally I yeah. would toss that thing out the fucking window, you know, Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. panned and scared, get the hell away from me. But I kind of thought it was fun to watch yeah. it like that. When it started up, I got this feeling like, oh, this is kind of cool. This feels like an old VHS or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So thank you video store Uh, for having, I don't know how you have a panned and scanned version of a DVD official DVD. Um, but they had it and, uh, I just, it's just really economical and it ends very softly, right? Like they, he's, he's in bed with the BB gun. You get a voiceover. He talks about, he will sleep on Christmas we get an establishing shot of the house fade to black, you know, we, and, and also the really sweet shot of the parents holding each other, looking out the window. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing is just, you know, it doesn't have like this kind of disnified, like, you know, the whole family together. And that's when we learn that. Mm -hmm. No, it's just like, yep. Christmas is over. It was sweet. Yeah, I love that it. That was great. And uh, I think this podcast is over. Yep. Thanks, Axel. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's all I got, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't fragile with it, baby. All right. right. That was fun, man. Well, John, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, we had a great time, so... Yeah, it's a great movie, and uh, I know now we definitely won't do um, It's a Wonderful Life for next Christmas. <laughs> Hell no, man. Dude, that shit would put me to sleep, because it would be Christmas uh, Eve, and my mom would, oh, we have to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And I'd be like, oh, God, this I can't take this. It, it was like, and I found it to be so depressing, you know? I don't know, man. This, to <laughs> me, is... I showed this to Lachlan and I have no problem. I think my top two Christmas are this and Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Oh yeah. We, I, we haven't watched that one yet, but I've got that on DVD. So we're planning on watching that today. Yeah, that is, that was always for my sister and I, especially they'd play that on HBO and we would sit there. Ain't no hole in the wash tub. Don't, don't, don't. The great music, the puppets. Now that one is really, that makes you cry your eyes out. You know, <laughs> that's kind of the more sentimental, yeah. you know, yeah. but both of these two dealing with like, kind of lower middle class, you know, um, that's a good aspect of this too, 
is in the economic area here. Ralphie ain't rich. You know what I mean? He's not, yeah. he's not poor, but he's just like kind of, they're making it, you know? Yeah. Yep. And I have always yep. appreciated that too. That's what I was too. Like when you were talking about John Hughes, that would be the only thing that like, the one thing in hindsight, as I look at John Hughes movies now, I'm like, man, these are some wealthy people. Yes. You know yes. What I mean? And it's like, I'm like, why? When I saw it when I was a teenager, yeah. I was yeah. probably closer to that. But now uh, in my adult life, I'm like, good God, these people are well healed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he tried to deal with that in some of the later a little bit mm-hmm. more. But yeah, I mean, especially like Home Alone and, like, you know. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, there was a, a little bit more my Ferris Bueller, of course, yeah, which is yeah. like the ultimate rich kid takes the day off and everybody celebrates, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. but they yeah. say that in the movie too, right? Like everybody loves right. Ferris. So, yep. oh yep. man, that would be a fun right. one to do, but this has been great, man. Um, yep. Merry Christmas to all. Hope you have a good day. Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, hopefully having fun with the family. I know, uh, John, you say you're going to have some people over and have a good uh, oh, have yeah. a good holiday? Yep, yep. We'll have a good Christmas breakfast with everybody, so it'll be a lot of fun. And if I do find the Fragile Trophy, I will post a picture on the Facebook page. Awesome. Great. Fragile. Love it. Merry Christmas to all. John, do you want to sing for us before we go? Uh, I, no? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. Okay. I did a little singing before. I'm going to add it after the final music. So awesome. if you want to hear me sing, uh, you can you can uh, tune into that. And uh, hey, we'll be back soon enough. I think um, I'm doing a podcast with Andy and we're doing top 10 tv shows of 2019 that's next up i think that's the next live uh, daily dvr i think i'm gonna give you a film list and some other stuff in the coming days so i could take a little time off but if you have a list go on the facebook page and post it or if you got a list send it to us at dvr podcast at gmail.com until then merry christmas happy hanukkah whatever you celebrate Festivus, the airing of grievances is coming. Don't take it too personally. Just go around the Festivus poll and everything will be okay. Peace out, everybody. It's beginning to look a lot like a podcast. All on Christmas Day, John and I are here to talk about Ralphie Deer. Oh, a Christmas story.